heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Here we go, guys. Week 7 of the NFL season, episode number 32 of the YWC podcast. And I had, last time I had a Pats fan on, this time I got a Dolphins fan on, but recurring guest Big Rat 310 is back. He is back because we got quite a bit to talk about. We got some some stuff to talk about. Uh, your boys, the Miami Dolphins, making some headline news this week um, with Tua Tungavailoa, the new starting quarterback for the Dolphins, week 8. As he is just smiling and beaming, waiting to get in on this. Before we get into the whole fit stuff, I gotta ask: between three and three and this, how are you feeling right now? Great. I, I this could not have been a better start. I was, yeah, like I mean, I know we're gonna talk about fits in a little bit, but I actually think this is kind of like the best of all worlds. It's like they got just enough, you know, out of out of the fits experience that we can put Tua like in a good situation in a good position. And yeah, it's it's like super exciting. It's, it was the perfect time. The only thing I want to say about the like Tua thing, I think it's perfect. I just don't agree with the whole like Schefter leaking it out. Like obviously that's his job. That's what he has to do. Someone obviously tipped him off. But I feel like this coming out on the bye week now is better for the team because they going back. It's like say if it's all off during the bye week and then like Monday morning they all come back to the facility and then out of nowhere it's hey. By the way, if it's your bench to a starting, like I think the way it happened now, it's like I said, it's perfect just with the bye week and everything, especially too with him coming in, him coming in on uh, last Sunday against the Jets, and then to that sentimental moment of just him sitting in the middle of the field, because like that's his first game in almost a year. People don't like because there's not a lot of I obviously people know who he is, but not a lot of people realize that this guy had a pretty serious injury almost a year ago. Yeah, yeah, the hip injury, you know, uh, I remember the Dolphins, the Dolphins beat writers in the fan base were like, very, were covering it very thoroughly, even though he wasn't on the team yet, just because of all the tank for Tua talk and, and all that, like, uh, yeah, we all read up onto the injury situation, it was brutal, I mean, there was fear that if he had nerve damage, um, and if he had like the blood, the blood damage, the damage to his blood vessels that would prevent him from regenerating over time, that was the fear that it was like the Bo Jackson injury, where you don't just have the bone fracture, but you have the vascular necrosis and the nerve damage and the blood damage that makes the hip hard to recover because there's just not enough, not, not enough oxygen coming into that area over time. It becomes a degenerative condition, and you can't play ever again like Bo Jackson did. That's what people were really worried about. Yeah. It seemed like that's how close the injury was to ruining his career. That's how serious it was. This isn't like tearing an ACL. Like, he could have lost his football livelihood over this. And the other thing I want to point out too quickly, it's like how you're saying tearing an ACL. That's like, for what I realized recently, the Kansas comic, Gale Sayers, RIP, he had so many knee injuries that he only had a six-year career, but then everyone's going like six years. He played 50 years ago, and now almost coming up to 60 years ago when the Medical advances weren't there and available. That's why he only played six seasons in the NFL. If he had played like in the 80s, even or the 90s, or probably even the 70s, his career would have lasted longer. So it's just one of those things too, where 
the advancements in medicine comparing like a serious injury like this because this injury isn't like like years ago he's not playing anymore but the fact now like you said they're able to figure everything out with the medicine and also to like how you're saying they now know hey it's not just oh his hip his hips uh, fractured it's there's no nerve damage there's no blood damage that's just something so that later on Brian Flores and then when they drafted him there's none of those hey we know he's not going to start right away but there's no long-term risk of drafting him yeah and people need to remember when they drafted him like, that was, like, back in the days of COVID where, like, you couldn't even leave your house. Like, there was no way to, like, get him into the facility or anything to, like, have the doctors look at him. Like, we couldn't do any of that stuff. No. Nope. Um, so, like, like, now it seems so easy because he is actually playing and everything seems fine. And obviously, if you just looked at his play in college, like, he was, you know, worth, he was talking about being the number one overall pick for a reason. It's just at the time when they took him, it's like they're really relying on, you know, the physical he gives with his own doc. Like, I think he did his own physical with a different with the, his local facility, and they have to send that information to the Dolphins. The Dolphins have to trust what they see, like, on Zoom and on workout videos. Like, it's a huge risk at the time. Now it seems so, like, oh, of course you make that chance. At the time, there was a – some people thought, what if, you know, what if the hip is, like, career-threatening? Um, and so far, so good. So. Exactly, and uh, one other point I just want to point out with the NFL draft, and I think I said this at the time, but this was the first year ever that I watched all three days, and like pretty much most of the 255 picks get announced. That was just because of the time we were all craving, like, like, like that was a time when everyone was just craving sport, they wanted an escape from reality, but like, like you're right now, like now you get to see him play and everything like that, but even too, if he was drafted, say if he came out in 2019, let's just say. Everything would be fine. It'd be like, okay, we are, we're able to go to Alabama or go, go to Tuscaloosa, see him work out, check in on him, check on him with his local physicians. But then even too, he's able to work the Miami, I was about to say the Miami, uh, another Miami team, the Miami Dolphins doctors and medical staff. Like, you're right, though. Zoom, in, like, w- at the time, especially too, when the draft happened, we knew nothing about, like, well, obviously we know a lot with COVID, but that's like, you're right. We weren't able to leave our houses. I was off work for all that time. Um, you could, like, going anywhere was frowned upon, like, it's literally, leave your house, go get what you need, get back home. So, that's the fact, it's just, the whole world is at an unprecedented time, and the fact that the NFL was able to steer the waters clear, which we'll also talk about later, was just a remarkable thing, too, like, where now they know, hey, this guy's good to go. And the other point I want to make, too, is that I like that he's starting against L.A., and obviously L.A. went to the Super Bowl two years ago. But they're no longer to me a team that, hey, he's getting fed to the Wolves. No, he's going to go in there and play a solid team. Like, they're not amazing, but they're not horrible. Yeah, it's like a nice middle ground because, like, look, like, you can't, like, the situation's never going to be perfect. Like, when Austin Jackson, the Dolphins starting left tackle, went down a few weeks back, people were saying, there were some Dolphins fans saying, oh, now we can't play him for a few months because we want the perfect O-line and we want all the receivers healthy. And now even, like, some some, like, I mean, some, like, bad ESPN analysts are like, uh, do we want to start him against the Rams, you know, with Aaron Donald? It's like, I, I just, like, this magical scenario where, like, the entire O-line's healthy, all the receivers are healthy, and you're playing, like, the worst defense in the league. It's like, that's, that's just, like, it's hard to get, like, that perfect reality in the NFL. And I, personally, as a fan, you know, I kind of want him to, like, have a little bit of a challenge. I want him to go against a good defense. And the Rams are a good defense, but they're not the Bears. They're not the Bucks. They're not going to, like, make his life hell all day. They're going to give him problems. You know, it is his first NFL game. I'm not trying to imply that it's going to be easy in any regard. 
but it's like just enough of a challenge that like you can't write it off as oh he beat up on the Cowboys like what does that matter? But it's also like not so much so that you think it's going to ruin his debut. It's it's a nice nice spot right in the middle. Yeah, he's also going to have like and every rookie has this that they're welcome to the NFL moment like. We saw it happen to Tristan Wirfs two weeks ago on Thursday Night Football, where Khalil Mack just had his way with him. Like you're gonna, I just that's just a prominent example. You're gonna have moments where, for any position player in the NFL, no matter if it's a quarterback, like even too, um, Burrow's been having it too. Well, that's also due to the fact his O line's terrible. But like those moments are gonna happen where he fucks up, and everyone's gonna go, "Oh, are they sure about playing him?" And I'm just like, you gotta give him time. And because I did see it too on Twitter, I think it was Mina Kimes who was. Uh, Questioning her, and I think to an extent, Dan Orlovsky. They were fighting. They they were fighting with all of the Dolphins' Twitter uh, because, for those that don't know, three yards per carry is a very popular Miami-based podcast on the Dolphins, and they're, they're quite excellent. Like they do really great film breakdowns. They give you like a really good X's and O's look at the team. That's a lot deeper than just a lot of the superficial stuff you'll see on NFL Network and ESPN. They know the team really well, and yeah, they were because Mina, Mina, and Dan called the Dolphins O-line horrible and one of the worst in the league. And all of Dolphins Twitter was trying to say is, it's solid. It's not great. It's not good. It's average. People think it's all unfairly. That's been the Dolphins' reputation for horrible offensive line. But it's actually been all right this year. Rated 14th in pass protection by football outsiders. And they were calling it terrible. And then they were saying that we were saying it was great to defend themselves. And that's not what we were saying. And that's why... And went back and forth and back and forth. Yeah, because even it was, you're right though. As long as you can have a solid offensive line, you're gonna win. Like game, you're gonna win games in the NFL. Like it's not like you have an offensive line where it's like New York Giants, which that's I, don't, I have the game on in the background. So if you ever see me peering my eyes off, it's also I got it part, on. okay. Yeah, because part of me too is thinking, "Fuck, I should have bet the under in this game tonight." Because I was just like, because <laughs> and also too, I want to say one quick thing about this game. Carson Wentz is the literal definition of one step forward, two steps back. Like, he'll have a great drive, and then he'll just make a play. Like, he, that interception he had in the second quarter was just one of those things where I'm looking at him like, like, what are you doing? He's got some Josh Allen to him. Uh, you know, like, um, this, this, like, he's so physically overwhelming. Like, he's got a fantastic arm, and, like, he's really, really phenomenal on the move. And, like, he can make really good plays, but he can also just do some, like, what the fuck. Kind of shit. As they run out of play with Jalen Hurts, and he gets about three yards. Uh, but, I mean, like, I know that's not what we're going to get back to, too. I just want to say, like, as someone who watched Jalen Hurts very closely in college, I disagree with people who think he'd be, like, some sort of an upgrade. Like, I just, I I think that he was carried a lot by that Oklahoma system. Like, if you watch in his second year at Alabama, there's a reason why he got benched for two in the first place. Like, he, he like, was really, he, like, really struggles to see the field. He doesn't use the whole field. Like, he makes some highlight plays, but I don't think you want him as, like, your every down passer kind yeah. of thing. Like, I remember last year. Yeah, I know. Also, too, I just want to give an example of last year. I remember going into the Peach the Peach Bowl. Uh, my parents were asking me, like, because my parents, like, they like college football. Like, we don't really have a team up here, uh, which one thing I want to say is your guys are looking pretty good this year, the U. Minus the, yeah, Clem- but, minus the Clemson uh, game. There's no trust. Yeah, I mean, they... They, they, they look good, but there's no trust by the fan base. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see in a few weeks. Proceed so with caution? Yeah, I mean, 
their head coach is 0-4 off of a bye week. You know that stat like Andy Reid, like so awesome off the bye week? Yeah. When your head coach is so horrible off the bye week, I think it says something really bad about your head coach. The oh. more time they have to prepare, the worse the team is. That's not a good thing. Fuck, I'd, so. say, I'd, say, I'd say so. Um, The only thing I wanted to say quickly about Hurts, because I remember them asking me, another one thing I was going to say is college football too. And some people have said to me, oh, you should find a team. I just like watching the games. Like, there's no team in particular yeah. that I root for. I just find storylines and stuff. And I remember them asking me, who's going to win? Alabama, um, not Alabama, LSU or Oklahoma? And I said right away, LSU. And they're like, oh, why? I'm like, well, not only were they a great team, but I just know right away, Big 12 doesn't play defense. And a lot of the times, you get a Big 12 team. That's, there's a reason why a Big 12 team probably won't ever win a national championship. It's just because the offenses are so reliant on playing crappy defenses that when they play a good defense, I think the only exception would be the uh, 2018 Rose Bowl where they took Georgia, I think, double or triple overtime. And then even to Kyler Murray gave Alabama yeah. a fight. But with Jalen Hurts, I'm like, I had a feeling that game was going to be an ass kicking. And it was, I think it was like 62 to like 28. Yeah. LSU had seven touchdowns in the first half. Like something insane. Yeah. So. Oklahoma, Oklahoma only scored when things really got out of hand. Like in the third and fourth quarter. Like they, they, they were borderline shut out in the, in the first half. Yeah, and even like you look at Oklahoma this year too, they're out of the top 25. Spencer Rattler, I saw a Netflix doc on like him and a bunch of other uh, high school quarterbacks at the time called yeah, QB1. Q- yeah, QB1, really good show. And I'm just like, uh, he, he's, he reminds me of Kyler Murray. He kind of looks like what everyone's jokingly saying, the love child of Patrick Mahomes and his fiance is. If you, if you For those of you who know what Spencer Rattler looks like, I was making that joke too. Um, he's just like, if he gets bigger... He can be something into an NFL quarterback, but if not, he's just going to be that standard college quarterback. Yeah. That's just my thought yeah. on him. Um, but anyway, I just uh, before we get into Week 7 predictions, I just want to get into the whole Fitzpatrick stuff quickly. Um, for him to say, yeah. I got fired, but I was listening to Pro Football Talk today at work, and Mike Florio made the point, yeah, you got fired, but you're still making 470 k a week. I'm like, yo, can like can Chris Greer call me up? Like, I'll get fired and make, I'll just sit on the bench and make like... Four hundred seventy thousand a week? You kidding me? Like who? Yeah. Who says no to that? Who in the real world says? No? I only say real world because obviously none of us are professional athletes here. But if I get that phone call from Chris Greer, I'll be like, okay, cool. I'll get on a flight down, quarantine, do all that stuff, all right, all right. and just sit on the bench. Yeah, yeah. I I did not. I I, I totally agree, and I did not like um, how Fitz reacted. Uh, I look. People who know me, like, in real life and all this, like, I'm a very sentimental guy myself. So I have nothing wrong with him being honest about, like, you know, how heartbreaking it was and all that stuff. My issue is that, you know, one, Fitz has done this before. So Bucks beat writers said, it didn't get the press at the time, but Bucks beat writers said when, James, when remember, because Fitz started as the quarterback in 2018, played really well, yes. had a bad game, they went back to Jameis, then they went back to Fitz, and then went back to Jameis. And Fitz apparently in his pressers, after he got benched either the first or the second time in that season, was also really, he was like publicly complaining. He was like, I, it really sucks. Like, I don't know why they took this away from me and all this and that. And, you know, I, I was worried about that with this whole Tua thing. But he said in the summer, I know I'm the placeholder. I know that they're going to move on from me at some point. It's okay. I'll be supportive. And I was like, okay, you know, he's 38 now. He seems to, you know know the drill he seems to get it he seems to understand so it won't, he won't he won't react the same way and then you know i mean i just he needs to unite the locker room needs to be united on this because like omar kelly from the sun sentinel oh god danny dimes 
Is he gonna trip? Oh no! <laughs> oh, 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 sh. He f Danny Dobbins fell in the open. Oh field. my god! What the? <laughs> oh my god! He's gonna get killed for that. God, your feed's obviously ahead of mine, so I'm like, like he, this guy literally just had like an 80 yard run and he fucking tripped. Like how? Sorry, listeners, I couldn't help but but notice that. Oh my god, it'd be it'd be so bad if they don't get the tunny here. Uh, well, what in the? any event, oh Ingram, what was that? Talk about a player you always rely on in fantasy that either lets you down via play or just fight injury. That is Evan Ingram. But, so, uh, I'll get back to the Fitz thing. So, and now back to our regular scheduled scheduled programming. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I yeah. So I thought he'd be more understanding. And the problem is Omar Kelly from the Sun reported that some of the Dolphins players. You know, notes that Tua was eventually going to come in, but it's the timing. It's not just about selling the locker room that it's a, it's a good switch to make. You also have to sell them that it's the right time to make that exact same switch. And when you do all that stuff, when you complain and moan, you know, Omar Kelly from the Sun Sentinel reported that some people in the locker you know, man, why the switch was made. But they wondered, like, we're three and three, we're one, two straight, it wasn't the right time. And when Fitz does stuff like that in the presser, it just makes it harder for the locker room to get behind the new quarterback. And I know they like Tua and they understand why he was the starter, but it's not just a, like, the way Fitz reacted is going to make it harder for them to accept the switch at this time in the season. And that's why I didn't like it. That's why I was, like, really, really unhappy with how he reacted and Sorry, folks. We just had some internet issues. Um, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna let Baygraf finish up his thoughts on uh, the whole Fitzpatrick and just how he handled the situation, and then I'll give my two cents. And then we're gonna get into Week Seven, guys. So, Big Rat, take it away. Yeah. So ceiling in December because I just don't think 
I think at best, Fitz was going to win eight or nine games. It was not going to be more than that, and it very well could have been worse. Fitz had a terrible game against the Seahawks a few games ago. The Seahawks, I know they're a great team. Their defense is horrible. They get torched by everybody. Your Patriots had, like, their best offensive game in, like, three years against the Seahawks. Everyone torches the Seahawks. Kirk Cousins torched the Seahawks. Everyone destroys that defense this year. And Fitz had zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and a lot of really bad plays. Like, he jumps. Just, and, the, and the game was in Miami with fans. So, no. Like, he, he just wasn't going to cut it. Congrats on beating up the Jets and the Jaguars, but I'm sorry. I don't care that they're 3-3. Three and three. Like, it, this was the right thing to do. This was the right move. But you need to sell it to the locker room. I'll wrap it up very quickly. You needed to sell it to the locker room that now was the right time. I might think that as a fan, but from their perspective, you know, we're winning. We're 3-3. Three and three. Fitz has done enough. Like, why make a change? And Fitz reacting like he did in the presser is going to make it hard for them to buy in that now was the right time. Um, um, and that, that that's not good. But Fitz needs to do more to really sell it to people that now was the right time in these pressers. And he didn't do enough in that press conference. Um, I also feel like, too, this whole situation is... Like, I'm not sure if you can see me right now, by the way. I don't think my camera's turning on just because of the, uh, I think my internet connection's a little spot off, spotty right now. Um, but I feel like this whole situation is like, you know when, um, you think your relationship with your girlfriend's going on great and she just breaks up with you out of nowhere and you handle yeah. it really bad? That's, I feel like, how he's handling this, where it's just like, it's a bad breakup. Like, even like I said to like the whole comments about him saying that he got fired and everything and you and I jokingly said about like, oh, hey, you're not fired, you're still employed, you're making $470,000 a week, which is like a dream of, we'll just say Big Rat and Eyes, because that's a lot of money. Um, and yeah. also, to the only other thing I want to say, because uh, like, I don't have as much insight onto the Dolphins as you do, um, for anyone saying that, oh yeah, Dallas should call and make a trade, that's, that would just not be logical. If anything, right now, what Fitzpatrick should do is just kind of buck up and be like, hey, I'm going to stay here and help him succeed. That's what you got to do. You you know what? The, he's got to take the higher road. He can't just be this whole, oh, I'm upset. I got benched, yada, 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 when you knew this was coming eventually. Like, it's not like, oh, hey, unless he thought maybe, hey, I'm going to be Alex Smith, play 16 games, and then, like Mahomes did, start week 17, and then, like, he takes over for if they make the playoffs. Because I'll go into this later, but I still think the AFC is open season minus, like, the five, six, seven spots uh, are open season. But I think there's four spots spoken for in the playoffs. While I'm on the subject, I'm going to say it right now. Uh, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and Baltimore. Besides that, I can't don't know who else is going to make the playoffs in the AFC. Um, uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say very quickly. Uh, yeah, I agree. Don't trade Fitz um, because I think it's just going to make the problem worse. Like the locker room really loves him. Like, look, say what you want. I, I say what I want about the guy. Like as a as a quarterback, but like, he's a funny guy. Like he's a fun personality and people really like him. And he, he was actually like really important to the development of that team last year. So I get it. Um, so if you trade him, I think that's going to piss a lot of people off and that's not what you need right now. Like you need him to kind of one, be there for Tua, but also like get the guys to kind of buy in. And look, I, I understand like no quarterback wants to be the mentor. Everybody wants to be the starter. Like no one wants to like, groom the guy that's replacing you i understand that's like hard but at the same time fitz knew what he was coming into when he signed with the dolphins last year he had to have known that it, odds were very high they were going to draft a quarterback early the next year he said as much in the summer 
So I have a little less sympathy for him because he knows what he's getting into. But trading him would just make the problem worse, especially since you're not going to get a first-round pick for Fitzpatrick. I mean, if you do, go right ahead. Like the risk to the locker room is like worth it at that point, in my opinion, to get a first round to get a first-round pick back. But you likely wouldn't get that. You likely get some mid-round, lower-round selection, and I just don't think that asset is worth the damage it can do both this season and for Tua's long-term relationship with his teammates. So. I just, just don't do it. Leave him, leave him in there. Plus, um, what if Tua gets hurt? You know, he does have an injury history, so um, one he might need Fitz to play again. One point I want to make quickly too, and like I said, I listen to Pro Football Talk today when I'm at work. I actually listen to it every day. It kind of helps me can make the day go by faster for two hours with Mike Florio and Chris Sims. But they had Calais Campbell on Baltimore Ravens uh, defensive lineman. Um, if there was an NFL award for actually, there's he did win an NFL award last year. He was the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year. And also, if there's an NFL award for a player who sounds like the Cookie Monster, he would win it. But um, he was mentioning how he was asked with Jacksonville, like, oh, hey, why did that team not work out? And he said that two guys left, Paul Puzlesny and Mercedes Lewis, and those were character guys in the locker room. So for as much as it means to have character on the field, having character off the field and holding guys accountable in the locker room in the NFL is huge. Because there, Who was the guy that said this? Uh, Calais Campbell. I see, I see. Okay. Yeah, he was talking about Paul Puzlesny, uh, who retired, and, yeah. and Mercedes Lewis, who I believe is still... Yeah, Mercedes Lewis is still with the Green Bay Packers, because I just remembered yeah. he had that awful route on Sunday, and he uh, Aaron Rodgers overthrew him. Um, we are going to get into Week 7 in just a second, guys. Uh, I'll be right back right after this. So stick around as we're done. Not we're, We may talk about Miami some more, but we'll be back, guys, in just a second. See you guys in a bit. And we are back, guys. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Like I said, just technical stuff happens. And also, too, we need to take a break. Um, right now, we're actually recording, as as you can tell by our earlier reaction to Daniel Jones' run and fumble. Or fumble. He tripped over his own feet. Um, we are recording as the Giants and Eagles game is going on. I'm going to say it quickly. I actually picked the Eagles to win, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants won. That's all i got to say about this game. Yeah, I'm the, I picked the Eagles, too. I was going to take Eagles minus 4.5, but then I just thought... It's the NFC East. Like it seems like all these games, like are these weird point flip games. So I could see the Eagles like winning by a field goal. So I didn't take it, and now the Eagles are losing. I, I think the Eagles are going to win. I think they're going to win with some like late fourth quarter heroics. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I got to say too is with this whole Eagles team. Uh, besides, because this is one thing that's not talked about a lot. Like you know how we always say coaches that are on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. I think the Eagles are a team with a GM on the hot seat. I think I honestly think at the end of the season, if they don't make the playoffs, Howie, Howie Roseman's gone. Doug Peterson, I think, may have another year because a lot of the times when a new GM comes in, he's going to want a new head coach. But so they'll probably give Doug a year, and if there's no real improvements with the Eagles or Wentz, who there's, I can't believe he's making thirty nine million dollars this year, um, then I think Peterson's not. So I don't think Peterson's on a hot, on a hot seat per se, but I think he's on a short leash right now. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I, you know, I, th- I think he's a better coach than people think, but I do agree that, you know, it's been some rough years and I think the patience and the fan base is running a little thin. It's weird. They make the playoffs every year, but every year, like there's like, it's kind of like Bill O'Brien and the Texans. It's like, even though they make the playoffs every year, there's like some underlying metrics that don't say a lot of good things about the team and about the offense and the fans get really frustrated. So yeah, I, anything could happen. Trading an all-pro receiver will do that to your fan base. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. 
Um, and also, too, I will be... They, I actually am planning to have an Eagles uh, fan guest friend of mine who Big Rad and I both know on the show very soon. That's all I'm going to say. Don't want to give away any names as of now. <laughs> but uh have been talking to him recently and uh, hoping to get him on very, very soon. Just got to wait to figure out when the schedules work. Um, first up on game here on my app that I see is one of my game of the week picks. Steelers at Titans. Uh, the over-under is 51, and the favorite is Titans by one. Um, but for this game, though, I'm going Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm going Pittsburgh, too. Uh, yeah, I just they are a balanced team. Uh, I know, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the president of Ryan Tannehill. Like, I was with your guest, who I think I know who it is. I was fighting with him about Ryan Tannehill for years when he was in Miami. Uh, but Pittsburgh just strikes me as the kind of team that can give him problems, especially with no Taylor Luan. Like a very physical team that's going to crash the line of scrimmage every play. Like that can really throw the Titans' rhythm out of sync. I know Tannehill has great numbers under pressure, but I think this is going to be a different kind of pressure. Um, also, don't discount the revenge spot. I think the Steelers are really pissed at them for what happened in Week Three. Like they said it constantly. Like they were very angry. They had to have an early bye week. And- on a rhythm they were really upset like they were really pissed off don't be surprised if mike tomlin gets the team up like in a rah-rah spot to go beat this team that caused them a lot of headache it's even like what mike tomlin said too um after this game last sunday like hey we were ready to play varsity football and cleveland wasn't so that's why they whooped cleveland on uh, this past sunday um the only other thing I gotta say about this too is when I look at these two defenses man just pittsburgh's defense is just above and beyond better than tennessee like tennessee still has a good defense but like if there is a team that I think could handle Derrick Henry to, now I'm not saying completely shut him down, but not let him run buck wild, because Tractor Cito's season still doesn't start for usually about another week or two. Um, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers' D, and also, too, like I feel like you're going to have pressure coming from like T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, which I think Bud Dupree is one of the most underrated linebackers in this league. Um, because I, like, I'm only saying that because sometimes, for as good as he is, I feel like he doesn't get the national recognition that he deserves. Mm-hmm. And also, too, I got to love for my Canadian, fellow Canadian, Chase Claypool on that offensive front. Just That's one thing I'm also glad about this year is I stayed away from Juju Smith-Schuster in fantasy. Um, but uh, if I, I thought he was the most overdrafted player in all of fantasy football this year. And I said it throughout the whole summer. It's a very simple stat. Very simple. Everyone blames the quarterback play last year. Deontay Johnson with the same bad quarterbacks outplayed Juju last year. Like, it's such a simple, easy stat to look up. And everyone just ignored it. And Juju was being drafted so high, it never made any fucking sense. Yeah, like I saw a tweet today from someone that was saying, like, oh, Michael Thomas is a, was like having injury-prone issues. I'm like, Michael Thomas literally had one ham- like one leg issue. He's not injury-prone. He just, obviously, with, uh, I just want to bring him up just because, too, I guess yeah. a lot of people are starting to get a little pissed about that. But at the same time, too, I'm just like, there's no real issues with him there. It's just, look, he had an injury. There was the incident, which a lot of people are saying the Saints, oh, you should have played him. But at the same time, too, I respect the Saints for uh, not playing him. Because, look, when something like that happens, you can't let a players run run wild in their locker room. Because we saw what happened with the Steelers with Antonio Brown two years ago. Um, the only other thing I want to say about this game quickly is that if you are betting the over-under, I'm going to say hammer the over. Because like, I think this is like a 35-31 to 31 shootout at the end of the day. Or I'm wrong, and the like one team's held under 20 points. That's all I gotta say. And the last thing I'll say is uh, two quick injury report notes: one really good and one really bad for the Titans. The one that's really good is that Adoree Jackson might come back, and he hasn't been a part of their team for a couple of weeks now. And like you know that he's a, their defense has been kind of bad lately, but he can help. 
And the other one, though, is A.J. Brown, who missed some games, and then he came back, and then, you know, didn't practice today. Kind of a surprise. And I think that's something to watch. If A.J. Brown doesn't play, that offense is not quite the same as the 40-point explosion they've been the last two games. So uh, keep an eye on that. Exactly. That's a, that's a really good thing to keep your eye on, especially for fantasy football players out there like us, which one thing I'll say quickly, there is no worse love-hate relationship in this world than myself with fantasy football. <laughs> it's, it's every year, man. I feel your pain. Every year. Um, the next game, too, I don't. I, I have literally nothing to say about this game because even though the over-under is 55.5 and the home team is favored by 2.5, it's the Falcons and the Lions in a game called the Dud Bowl. But for this game, uh, I am going to take Atlanta just because, like you saw with Houston, I think Raheem Morris is getting his guys ready and fired up to play. And also, too, Julio Jones finally is starting to look like Julio Jones, which will yeah. only help his trade value with the um, with the upcoming trade deadline because, like, we were hearing the reports of the Lions, not the Lions, the Falcons looking to trade some pieces, and I feel like you're going to have an easier time getting rid of Julio as compared to Matt Ryan, who's making a lot more money. Very much agree. Uh, there's some. I was listening to a betting podcast today that said, like, you know, they they really liked all the changes Patricia made on defense against the Jags, um, and they think that if he had their defense moving forward, and they kind of like the Lions in the spot. But I'll just say very quickly, like, I could be dead wrong on this. Um, like Patricia, like you know, he and Brian Flores, I know a bit from being a Dolphins fan and all. Like they like to do that Patriots cover one man press. You know, like, play man at a high percentage of the time. And, you know, sometimes you get roasted because you, you usually only send three rushers most of the time. Like, so you barely – unless you have really good defensive linemen, you, it's hard to generate a pass rush and people can pass all over the field if someone gets open. Um, Patricia played a lot of zone against the Jaguars. I think that's partly because Brian Flores did that week three. He, like, completely changed his defense. He, like, did a full zone-based defense and Minshew couldn't handle it. I think Patricia saw that on tape. Brian Flores, you know, one of his boys, he's like, oh, Flores did this. This is probably a good idea. I think after that, though, he's going to be like, all right, now back back to your regu- regularly scheduled programming here. So I don't buy the Lions defense. is going to be a whole lot better. I think that was just kind of a one-week Lions-specific thing. Uh, I'm with you. I, I bind the interim head coach bump, especially with Julio, you know, playing, you know. So, yeah. I'm with you. Um, the only other thing I want to say, too, is those whole reports, I think, of Patricia, if he lost to the Jaguars, were he was going to get fired. I do think those were kind of BS, just in the sense of, like, I think it, this is one of those things where I think at the end of the year, um, Sheila Firestone is going to sit down with them in a room and say, guys, like, thank you for your service, but politely get out of my office. You're both done. And I think they're going to start from new because the one thing, too, and I know we were talking about this earlier with the whole Dan Orlovsky, Mina Kimes thing. But Dan Orlovsky was on KJZ, which is uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Jay, Jay Williams, and Zubin. I don't forget blanking on his last name right now, but their morning show on ESPN Radio. And he basically went in saying of how Jim Caldwell should not have been fired from the Lions because I think he was like 36 and 29 with the Lions or something like that, or something like a record that's not as bad as Patricia's. And basically was fired because Bob Quinn was like, hey, I'm going to bring my buddy in and. Uh, we clearly seen that hasn't worked because Patricia's trying to be Belichick 2.0. And once I heard those reports of the locker room turning on him, like you're not going to last as soon as your locker room turns on the year head coach. Yeah, I will say, like I was okay with Caldwell firing at the time. It was kind of like a 
So they were winning games. They were going to the playoffs, but they weren't really like cracking to like that next level. So I kind of get it. Like you know, we're a good team. We want to be a Super Bowl team, and I think that was understandable. But unquestionably, Patricia's been a big downgrade. I think there's no, there's no denying that. So yeah. Also, too, I want to say is that if there's because people are going to assume he's going to go back to the Patriots. Um, I like what the Patriots are doing right now with Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo. I think they're. Gro- I think Steve's being groomed to become the eventual defensive coordinator of that team. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Patricia. He might. He might go to like you know like someone like Vrabel staff. Maybe it could be something like that. Who knows? Exactly. Um, the next game I want to talk about. It's a bit of a dud too because I want to talk about this. But Cleveland at Cincinnati. Cleveland is favored by three, and in the over under is fifty one. I'm sorry, but there is, as Philadelphia just failed a fourth down conversion. Um, literally, I loved last week how Cleveland, I just love the fact that Cleveland was like barking their mouth saying, we're going to win this for miles, we're going to do this, and you go out there and you just get absolutely pounded. Like, people, like when I said to you, I'm like, oh, so much bounds back to reality, and everyone's like, oh, but Baker's hurt and Baker's this. Until the Browns beat a good, legitimate team, like, I expect, I'm picking Cleveland to win this game. But their five and two is like, like I'm just saying that because they're probably like I said they're going to probably be five and two at the end of the weekend unless Burrow has a great game. But there's just so much wrong with Cleveland. Like we were talking earlier about the whole Jalen Hurts Oklahoma thing, we're seeing it with Baker Mayfield right now. Oh, oh yeah, big time. And also too, yeah, Baker, I, I'm um, with you on this. The only thing I want to say about Baker quickly is that he, they have to have his. Fifth-year option decided in May, so it's not like he can play his fourth-year out or whatever. If Baker misses the playoffs, I don't think they're picking up that option. And also, too, one interesting thing I thought of, if I'm the New York – I was going to say New York Giants because we're watching that game. If I'm the Cleveland Browns, I'd keep tabs on what the Niners do with Jimmy Garoppolo because if uh, Jimmy Garoppolo leaves San Francisco, I don't see why Cleveland shouldn't take a look at him. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um I agree with you on everything about the Baker and the Browns. They are fraudulent. You know, hey, I mean, the the, the Bears are, I don't know what, how you guys have been talking about them on the podcast, like maybe the most fraudulent team I've seen in a really long time. Like their defense is legit, so I don't mean to say that they don't deserve it, but like their offense is a clutch right now. I think Nick Foles is playing worse than Trubisky. They're winning games, but all their offensive numbers are worse across the board. Um, so, yeah, uh, but for the Browns, like it's very simple with Baker. He's kind of like Jared Goff. Like, when he has to face pressure, he's going to fall apart. But when he has a clean pocket, he'll be okay. Bengals, second worst pressure rate in the league. And DJ Reader's on IR. Like, I just think, yeah, it seems like one that he'll be fine. He'll bounce back. He'll have a good day. But, you know, it doesn't really change the long-term concerns people about him and that team. But one thing I will say, though, is is I do think Kevin Stefanski is a good head coach to where some of those games like that they were winning against bad teams is – Basically, he's playing to Baker's strengths. He's not going to play to his weaknesses. Last week was just an unfortunate situation with his ribs and the fact that, hey, they came back to earth and they beat, they lost to a team in their building who last time they played in that Cleveland beat Pittsburgh at Heinz Field, 50 Cents Into Club was the number one song in America. 2003? Yeah. That's a long time ago. Tommy Maddox was the starting quarterback. I will say also as a Dolphins fan, I had that vibe all week. I wish I could have talked about it on the show. Uh, I, in 2018, the Dolphins started 3-0. and And, you know, there was some buzz in the Miami fan base. Like, you know, is this team legit? And they went and they played their own big brother, uh, the Patriots, in Foxborough. You know, the Dolphins, when the Patriots come down here, we, you know, kick their ass a little bit over the last decade. 
Uh, but in Foxborough, it's usually a massacre, except for last year. And uh, they went up to Foxborough in 2018 and turned 3-0, wondering if they were legit. They lost 38-7. to I believe the Browns lost by the exact same score, if I remember correctly, 38-7. to So I thought that was a fun parallel. Um, let's just see here. 38-7, to and in week one they lost to Baltimore – 38 to 6. So they just decided to get an extra point in against uh, Pittsburgh. Um, we'll see what our next game is. So we're both going with uh, Cleveland. Next up, we have. Yeah. Pardon me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is these are the kind of teams, especially. I do agree Stefanski is a good coach. I think these are the kind of teams they, that won't really give them much trouble. Like, they'll do their game plan, they'll run the ball well. Baker will have clean pockets, he'll play well. Like, yeah. It'll be fine. Okay. Um, one point I want to make about tonight's game is for I know it's only fourteen to ten. Daniel Jones has not looked that bad tonight. Like he yeah, just, I thought so too. Like he yeah, made this really good play right now where he just dumped the ball off to I think that's Wayne Gallman where he the seventy five missed the sack. He got around uh, ninety three. I just can't see last names. Just got away from Fletcher Cox, dumped the ball off, and turned what could have been like a, a second and fifteen into a second and three. He's had some nice moments, for sure. Yeah. Um, the next game we have, uh, let's see here. Um, 51.5 is the over-under. Spread is 7.5, which I do not trust with my life, is the Panthers visiting the Saints. Um, no disrespect. And I even told my dad this, who's in a, in a, well, he's in a spreads pool, and he's a Saints fan. I just said, well, the way that Carolina's been playing, I do not trust uh, New Orleans to cover that. Yeah, and also the way New Orleans is playing... Um, do they strike you as the kind of team that can win like by double digits? You know, I don't think it's. I mean, it happened in Week One, but aside from that, you know, the the Lions game was only by six. The Chargers game was obviously like it took some crazy shit in the fourth quarter in overtime. Like, yeah, I'd be, it'd be a little little about that. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, I think the Saints will win, but I do think, you know. I, I, as a, I have kind of a general rule of thumb also that when it's a division game, when it's a division game, you know, you should expect it to be kind of close, you know, pending like a huge match. And seven and a half, like you could see the Panthers losing by like exactly a touchdown or exactly a field goal. So I do think the Panthers are the right side. Um, I'm pretty sure this game last year in the Superdome was a Will Lutz game-winning field goal. And I'm pretty sure that's the other thing too. The Panthers right now, Man, I, for a guy I expected to be bad, and I know you may not like this, or you probably have heard this comparison before, but the 2020 Panthers remind me a lot of the 2017 Bills, a team that was in their first year of their supposed rebuild that may make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, would it, <coughs> sorry, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And like, think about it. They beat the Falcons in Atlanta, so the Falcons game. The next Falcons game will be in uh, in Carolina, so you know that makes it easier for them to sweep the Falcons this year. And they they can you know with especially seven seed like Minnesota, obviously playing really bad. Like yeah, I, I, they've been frisky. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they made the playoffs. And Matt Rule, very good coach. So. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Because I remember I said this before, where a lot of people were going to look at David Tepper for giving him seven million dollars. Uh, for a rookie head coach, a lot of owners are going to look at him basically going, um, what is wrong with you? But he's looked pretty impressive. I'm not saying he's coach of the year material, but you know what? For what they were expected to do versus what they're doing. He's done a good job. Yeah, it's one of those I things. Think no way around that. Yeah. yeah, it's like one of those things where you look at it, you go, I'm not mad. I'm impressed. 
Um, yeah, no, they, they've, and like he was, as someone who watched him a little closely at Baylor, it's like they, they played Oklahoma twice last year. They had way less talent than Oklahoma. They had Denzel Mims, but, and they had some guys on defense, but like they had way less talent than Oklahoma did, and their quarterback play was dreadful. And the first time they played Oklahoma, they were up by four touchdowns. And granted, they did blow a 28-3 Falcons-esque lead. It wasn't exactly 28-3, but it was something like that. And they blew the lead, which is rough. But they still like damn near beat a team with more talent. And then against the Oklahoma the second time, they played them again in the Big 12 title game. And the game went to overtime. And Baylor played three quarterbacks in the game. In the game, the starter got hurt. The second string was terrible, and then they brought in the third string guy who led like a ninety-five yard scoring drive on his first drive. Like, it's remarkably impressive how insanely close they beat Oklahoma twice, despite having significantly less talent than that Oklahoma team. Like, stuff like that is usually how you can pick up on guys that are coaching above their weight. So. This Panthers team, they were expected to win five games. That was their win total, five games. They've already run, They've already won three. So, a lot of credit to them. It's like the Miami Dolphins, too. You can't be mad if you're a Panthers fan and you're a 3-3 three and three right now. Um, at the end of the day, though... Yeah, you're, you're, as, you're happy that you... Uh, didn't mean to interrupt. Just, like, you're happy that you got. You think you got a good coach, you know? Like, you're, you're okay with it. Yeah. Um, I will say this, though. I am still going to go Saints, but I do think this is decided by seven or less. Yep, I'm with you. Yeah, especially to if Michael Thomas is back. I but I still expect to like Jesus Christ, Alvin Kamara has been playing lights out this year. Um The next game we're we have another divisional game, twelve and a half spread, forty five point five over under. I do not expect the team who is uh not favored to cover, and that is the Bills visiting the Jets. I know you have a very loving relationship with Josh Allen, but for as much as this smells like a trap game. I just can't pick a. I just can't pick the Jets to win. Yeah, I um. Look, I'll, I'll firstly I'll say I spent all summer bearing Allen, and look, like you know, I'm I'm not unreasonable when I'm presented with new evidence. You know, I'm willing to adjust and change my stance. You know, and all that. So I was, I was, you know, I I, I recognized how good they were playing, and I was like, okay, Josh Allen, you're playing well. I did think he was making a lot of mistakes that weren't getting punished. If you, if you watch that Dolphins game closely, he almost had two pick sixes in that game that were just dropped. And it's like little things like that. The ball's not caught. We think he's playing phenomenally, and we kind of miss those mistakes that were happening along the way. But um, he's kind of crashed back to earth a little bit the last two weeks. And I do agree this is kind of a trap game. I do agree if the Jets are going to win a game, this is the kind of game to win at home, a division opponent, a team you've played once already. You know, Darnold's probably coming back. That's I get from reading the press, watching the press conference today from Gase. Denzel Mims looks like he's going to make his debut. So there's also reason. There's also like players that are coming back that can make think things are going to be different. But even with all that, it's just it's just hard to pick the Jets right now. Like they 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 need to prove it first. So I'm with you on that. Um, I'm going to go on a quick rant. You know what? For as much as I'd love to see the Jets win. I want the Bills to win. I want the Bills to be super confident going into their game next Sunday. If you look up who they're playing, you're going to know exactly why. Because yes. after the shit I had to endure on Twitter, because I interviewed, I had a Bills uh, podcast host on here a couple weeks ago, there is no game that I want to win more than November 1st just <laughs> to play that role of Big Brother. Oh! Like, 
I will be literally the ha- like like this like obviously like lose and also too for them like making fun of us losing to the Broncos and everything, which obviously was a thorn in my side. If you listen to the previous episode, uh, Pat Lane and I from Pat's pulpit from SB Nation went basically played therapist towards one another and airing our grievances out, which felt amazing. But literally, November first is a game that I have had circled on my counter since the schedule came out because I knew this is going to be a game that will probably go to see who wins the division. Um. That's all I gotta say is that there's just you know what I want the I want those Bills feeling confident next week. I want them feeling like you know what we're untouchable. And I know I know we'll get to them, and I, so I won't I won't spend too much time on this. I will just say I know like it doesn't seem right because they're third in the division. The Dolphins are three and three. The Bills are four and two. I'm gonna make a forward prediction, and I still think the Pats are gonna win the division even with everything the Bills have done. So. That's just my take. But we'll, we can talk about them when their game comes up. All right. Well, that's coming up soon. Um, the n- next game we have, and I'm not going to go too quickly into this, and it just says PK for the spread, and it says 46 over under, which I would take the under, yeah. which is the Cowboys visiting the football team. Um, for as bad as they looked, I think Andy Dalton's going to rebound. Also, too, for everyone saying, oh, Andy Dalton looked horrible, I'm like, you have to pay attention to the fact that they had a patchwork O-line, and... You know this, but I think the Cardinals are a legit team. But I think Dallas. I think Dallas rebounds also. Too. I think Zeke learns. I think this is the, like one of those. Oh, as oh Sterling Marcus Stroman Sterling Shepard got a touchdown. Uh, yes, started Shepard this week, and I was really unsure about it because uh, it's his first game back. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, the New York Jets are good. New York Jets, excuse me. New York Giants are six minutes away from being uh, two and five on the year, which will be in, I think, tied for second place to win the division, um, which is sad. But, um, no, for this game, literally all I think about is I think Dallas is just going to uh, win this game. I think they're going to rebound. I honestly think Zeke's going to have a big game. He's going to have a bounce back. And to when everyone's saying Washington week one was so inspiring, it was kind of like Jacksonville where – you had a good win week one, but then you came back to earth in the rest of the season. Yeah, I think I think this is a classic. Uh, again, maybe there's egg on our face, but like I'm with you. I'm all picking Dallas here, and I think this is a little bit of a classic overreaction spot where you know Dallas. They not only lost, they lost on national television. You know, everyone watched it, everyone saw it, everyone saw the total beatdown. And the Redskins, you know, they almost beat the Giants. So people are like, oh, the Redskins, yeah, look at that, a little frisky. And they're at home. Like, I I just don't think Dallas is going to play that bad every week. You know, we saw Dalton play well in the fourth quarter of that Giants game. Like, it's not like it's incapable of happening, you know, with this team. And I similarly think and that Cardinals game also, like, those Zeke fumbles were just killers. And they were, they were four, down 14-0 right away. Right away with a backup quarterback, like that's that's hard. Um, so I'm I'm of the expectation and the mindset that they'll have a better performance than people think, and I think there's a little value on the line for that reason. Like they're a pick 'em, and I think if, if people, before last week's game, they probably had to have been like two to three point favorites in this, but because everyone saw them get embarrassed, you know, week to week league, reacting to the most recent information, now they're only a pick 'em. Uh, again, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I do think Dallas uh, Washington's defense has been playing well, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I'm trusting Dallas more. For as bad as Dalton played, Dallas probably still has the better quarterback in this game. So why not trust him? 
I think until Washington makes Alex Smith the 100% starter, because I, do, I don't think Dwayne... Dwayne Haskins is what Josh Rosen was for the 2018 draft. Um, I think until I think until Alex Smith is their starter, um, I don't think that they're gonna do that well. Um, the we got one more one o'clock game that we gotta talk about, and I'm gonna quickly say it too. It's the same thing. We have uh, they're a three and a half point favorite. The over under is fifty six point five. You have the Packers visiting the Texans. Um, I think the same thing as Dallas. I honestly would not be shocked if we see Aaron Rodgers back. Or yeah. we I think David Johnson still could have a good game, but I think you're gonna see a pissed off Aaron Rodgers this week. Well, there's a bad defense too. Like I because they won, the Texans won, you know, they won two weeks ago. They damn near won last week against one of the best teams in the league in the Titans. So similarly, we're like, oh wow, look, ever since they fired BOB, the Texans have some momentum here. Um, but the defense is just too bad. Uh, Watson's playing well, but I'm with you. I don't think there's much to say. I mean, I just I think, yeah, bounce back for the Packers. These are not the kind of defenses that usually give Rodgers trouble. These are the kind of teams they just wallop over. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Um, next up is actually, I don't know if you know this or not, but this game was flat, flexed out of Sunday Night Football, which... I think for the first time in his career, Tom Brady has been flexed. I think maybe the first or second time. I just remember there was a game, I think 2012 or 2013, he was flexed out of Sunday Night Football. But the Buccaneers-Raiders game has been flexed out of Sunday Night Football. The Cardinals and Seahawks is now in that game time slot. And for everyone wondering why that game, I think it's because logistically it would just makes more sense. And also, too, the only because like probably the NBC trucks and production crew is already in Las Vegas, so all they have to do is just either catch a quick flight, and for all the trucks and stuff, I think it's like a four to five hour drive from Las Vegas to Phoenix. Um, so that's that. But with this game, who knows if it's even going to be played? Um, yeah, I this game's tough. Like I honestly, it's the spread is three and a half points. We saw what the Buccaneers were capable of doing, but. Even though this was their first big victory of the year, I want to see them blow out a team where Tom Brady looks like what he looked like against the Chargers, if that makes any sense. Like, where Tom Brady blows someone out, but he slings it. Like, I understand you you basically exploited um, Green Bay's weakness, and also, too, Todd Bowles had one hell of a game plan for Aaron Rodgers. Um, oh, good Lord, Carson Wentz is horrible. Um... I'm going to simply say, because of all the COVID stuff with the Raiders, I think this is a similar situation as what the Patriots faced last week. I'm just going to pick the Bucs to win. Uh, hopefully, Chris Godwin can get it going, uh, because fantasy. And that's all i got to say. Is just I want to keep it short and sweet, too, where I think Bucks win. But also, too, I think John Gruden, deep down, really wants to win this game, considering it's his former team. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, COVID thing. Like that, I mean, that's part of the reason why I think people are overreacting to the Patriots game a little bit. Like, you know, Cam was clearly out of sorts. I just don't think Cam's going to play that bad all year. Um, I, you know, he, like, the, everyone talks about how the team hadn't practiced in a while. Like, he especially hadn't practiced in a while because he wasn't practicing before that Chiefs game uh, because of the COVID diagnosis, you know, like a few days before the game. So, yeah, I... I, I like the Bucks here. I think the Raiders are going through some stuff. I don't know if they're going to get all their guys back in time. I think the Bucks. I still don't trust their offense that much. Like, you know, the numbers look okay, and I know Godwin's been out, but, like, Brady's yards per attempt is, like, 21st in the league right now, which is what it was last year. 
And everyone said, oh, well, that's only because of the receivers. Well, now he's got really good receivers, and his yards per attempt numbers are still pretty low. So I don't know. They're, the defense is obviously phenomenal. I was wrong about their secondary. I thought they had a great front seven, but they were kind of weak in the secondary, and that's how they would get exposed, despite how talented the front seven was. But those secondary guys, you know, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, Bunting, Jamel Dean, like they're playing really well. They're shutting people like me up who doubted them. Ooh, and they're, they're kind of the reason why beat up the Packers. And so, the Eagles are right wow, back in this game. Um, the only thing I got to say, too, is is that like if Levante David and like Shaquille Barrett, also do Antoine Winfield's another DB in that uh, backfield, um, if those, if they're front seven, especially with the, I don't know what Steve McClendon's going to do, because considering I think Vita Villa is a much better player, which on he on I said that was going to be a big loss for them. But um, if they can play well like they did last Sunday... They can carry the box. I think they can bail them out if Brady's not playing well. And also, to one thing yes. other point I want to say, Todd Bowles, he's a good coordinator. I don't think he's head coach material. And for everyone saying, oh, he was with the Jets and yada, 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 I'm sorry, but when your highest win total is five, even with the Jets, it's like, that's a no for me. Yeah, he has one of the worst head coaching records of all time. Like, some people are just better as coordinators, and we do this all the fucking time, where a head coach flames out, he does great as a coordinator, and then we're like, oh, they were wronged. You know, it's like, well, maybe he's just better in that role. And look, the Jets may not have a lot of talent, but ask Jet fans. There were so many games where there would be four minutes left on the clock. The Jets are down, like, two touchdowns, right? They're down two touchdowns, four minutes left. And it's like fourth and six at midfield. So, like, it's not obvious, like fourth and one, but it's like a fourth and six. But, you know, you're down two touchdowns, you need to score. There's under four minutes left, and he would frequently punt, like, in those situations. And that's not talent. Like, that's just him being too conservative as a coach in the modern NFL. So, like, you can't pin that on on the roster. Like, that's just that's just bad decision-making. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, though. Look, I I don't trust this Bucks offense, but I do think you're right. The defense can bail them out. And look, the Raiders might not have their entire offensive line this game, which against the Bucks front, that's gonna be a problem. Yeah. Um, next game is the game that you wanted to wait to talk about. I was gonna save this one for the last of the four o'clocks, but I said, you know what? Uh, we're talking about it now. Jimmy Garoppolo returns to Foxborough as the Patriots are only a two and a half point, a two not two and a half, two point favorite, forty four over under. For the first time in a really long time, I'm I'm concerned. I have a lot of, like sometimes I say worry and doubt, like oh, like who knows what happens. Part of me wants to be positive, but there's a part of me that wants to be negative going into Sunday. Yeah, the 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 aforementioned betting podcast I told you about at the end of the podcast. It's from the if anyone wants to listen to it, it's the Action Network NFL preview, and they do a great job. Um, but at the end of the podcast, they they gave their money line picks of the week. And one of the hosts, and like, you know, you have to pick underdogs. Like, you can't pick a betting favorite for this game, at least. The game, the whole purpose of their contest is to pick Moneyline underdogs. And this week, one of the hosts uh, picked the Niners. And that had me a little concerned because he's usually been very, very accurate. Like, he predicted last week, I think last week his Moneyline underdog pick was the Bears against the Panthers. Um, in week three, it was also the Bears against the Falcons. At the time, the Bears were 2-0, and the Falcons were 0-2, and the Falcons were heavy favorites in the next game. Well, not heavy, but they were favorites. And, yeah, the Moneyline underdog parlay thing has usually been – they've usually gotten it right more often than not. So hearing them pick the Niners did kind of scare me a little bit. I understand the concern. Things don't look great. 
it feels like it's been a while since you've seen the offense play well because it's last week, it's the Chiefs game, even with no cam, and it's the Raiders game where the offense didn't look that great. Um, I will say, and I'm sure you know this obviously, David Andrews coming back, Shaq Mason playing as well. It seems like you're going to get four fifths of your starting offensive line that you had week one. You're going to get Isaiah Wynn, Joe Tooney, not at center, David Andrews, and Shaq Mason. And I do think that can make a big difference. So that's what I'm holding on to, like as a Patriots fan, you know, <laughs> a closet Patriots fan this year. Quasi. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I guess it's not so much closeted. The other thing is, I think Belichick could kind of fuck up Jimmy G a little bit. The Brian, with Brian Flores, like Jimmy G was clearly hurt, so I don't want to put like too much stock into it because Jimmy G was hurt um, in that in that Dolphins game. Brian Flores like messed his life. Like Brian Flores like really, really, really destroyed him. Like with Jimmy G was confused, his head was spinning. Flores comes from a Belichick coaching tree. I'm sure Belichick is watching that game very closely in preparation for this one. Belichick was with Jimmy G for a long time, probably knows his weaknesses, his tendencies. You know, they're not going to let Kittle abuse them, much like how they didn't let uh, Darren Waller abuse them a few weeks back. So there's reasons for optimism. I know it's, like, dark, but and I understand the concern, and it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if the Niners win again and the Patriots lose one more time. But they're at home. I, I'm holding on to hope that Belichick is going to ruin Jimmy G's life defensively and the offensive line coming back together a little bit is going to help with the other side of the ball. That's just my take. I also said this, too, on Monday that I am – I don't wish ill will on anyone, but I am so happy we do not have to face Nick Bosa Sunday afternoon. Because if we had Nick Bosa with a patchwork O-line, I'd be shitting my pants. The fact – I know his injury was – I do not wish injuries upon anyone, but he is just another level of game wrecker on that defensive line. But the fact, too, that they're – and even, too, they're banged up defensively. Like, uh, Tart is on there. Um, they're just a carousel of injuries. And even, too, like, they're lost the Eagles. Like, we know, just know Nick Mullins sucks. Um, I thought it was a mix of there. But also, too, I didn't really chime into that. That hey, Brian Flores knows what Jimmy G's weaknesses are. So – and also, too, the fact that Raheem Mostert's also out, I think, is going to play a difference. Because McKinnon, McKinnon's been good, but he hasn't been anything, like, stellar. And also, too, they have a and running... Lo- Pardon me? I was, I was just going to say, he's also been losing steam a little bit. Like, one of... There's a guy I follow for fantasy football called Nelson Souza. I'm in his, like, mentorship program. Not that I need a mentor. I've won many fantasy leagues for many years. I'm just trying to find an edge to make me even better. And he was saying that from his view, he thinks McKinnon is also just like losing steam a little bit. He doesn't really have quite the same burst that he had three weeks ago. He wonders like if his if he's already like going through an injury or something. So yeah, I think not having Mostert and not having Coleman back still, I do think that actually might kind of matter against this team. The only things I'm going to look for in this game is if Samuel and Kittle have the games like they did last week, Patriots will not win. They can shut one of those two guys down, Patriots will win. But at the end of the day, you know what? There's part of me that's just saying Belichick doesn't lose three in a row. I'm picking Patriots. I think it's going to be a very close, stressful game. But I'm not like even to if we shut Jimmy G down or even make Kittle like look like what happened to Darren Waller a few weeks ago. I still think that Cam's going to be Cam. And he's going to look good, and I think we're going to get the win. But like I said, this is going to be a bit of a um, heart attack. 
for and pa- I will, Pats Nation. I will say, even if, even if they lose, I don't. I'm not trying to underplay it. Like that will be bad. They'll be two and four. They will have lost three straight for the first time since like 2002 or whatever. I get all of that. But even if they lose, if you come back the next week and beat the Bills, which not only gives you a win but gives them a loss, you're you're still in it. So. Just want to put that out there. I mean, I'm with you. I'm picking them to win two. I actually took them to cover the spread early in the week um, because it's only minus two. So it's like, I don't know. Like, it's essentially picking them to win. Like, it's essentially a pick them at that line. Uh, so I'm just saying, even if you lose, if you're two and four, obviously if the Bills lose to the Jets, I mean, that'd be phenomenal because then you can lose and then beat the Bills next week and the Bills will have as many losses as you do. So you'll be, you'll be all set. You'll be good to go. Uh, but even if the Bills win and you lose, as long as you win that in the game next week, things can still be okay. I just want to say that, even though I'm also picking them to win. So, yeah. Thank you for the kind words. So, you are picking Patriots to win? Or are you picking yeah. Niners? Yeah, okay. So, I'm, 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 I'm buying that the O-line will fix the O-line improvement will fix the offense. So, I love to hear that. That makes me feel better. Thank you very much. And that's from a Miami Dolphins fan, people. Um, <laughs> uh, next up, I, I don't even want to say I don't even want to talk about this game. It's Chiefs at Broncos. I just have one question for you because I think I know where we're both going. Nine and a half Chiefs cover. I'm gonna say no, uh, but I had to think about it a little bit. But I'm gonna say no. I think this Broncos defense is a little feisty. They're at home, division game. Uh, I don't trust Drew Locke, but. I can I can see it's just such a big line. Like the Chiefs by fifteen, the Broncos could score at the very end to cover. Like I just, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say Broncos cover. All right, that's all. Because I, I I don't even think we have to say it. We both are picking the Chiefs to win this game. Um, but oh, yeah. one news uh, newsworthy note is that this is Mahomes' first game in Denver since he got hurt last year. I know it wasn't a significant injury, but it's sometimes I think I feel like that can mentally have some mind games with a with any NFL player. Um, One okay, uh, Big Rat will be right back, guys. Um, I'm just going to take you through right now as uh, the New York Giants are trying to ice, put this game on ice here. Um, but anyway, you know what, guys? You know what? We're going to take a big break. Uh, not a big break. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back um, as there's 258 left in the third, in the, I'm say third, in the fourth quarter, 21 to 16. Giants are winning. Um, I kind of hope I'm wrong with this because I do know Giants fans and also too. For as much as I know Eagles fans too, I love seeing them miserable. So anyway, guys, I will be we will be right back in just a sec. And we are back, guys. We're back for the last three games of the week. Um, and also to just want a quick little uh, note: if Buccaneer, um, I don't know if I said this earlier, but the reason why Bucks Raiders was moved was for if it was delayed because of COVID, they didn't have have left leave NBC scrambling to find another game. So they did this as a precaution as I get a text message. Um, I'm going to try to mute these as you hear all these ding, ding, dings. Uh, let me just do that, guys. Give me one quick second. I'm so sorry. Group chat, go, yeah. group chat's going off right now. Um, yeah, in case, in case the game got moved, you know, they would need a new Sunday night game. So they just moved them out of Sunday night initially. And now if they have to move it, now it's a lot easier. 
So it makes sense. Exactly. So if they have to move this game and play it, I don't know, Tuesday night at... Well, actually, this is a Fox game, so they would have a bit of a kerfuffle considering um, there's a bit of a thing on Fox right now called the World Series. So they'd have to logistically move around that or move networks. Um, so yeah, that's why they moved. It's basically they didn't leave NBC screwed in. Like I said earlier, oh, Deshaun Jackson is hurt again. That is... Uh, unfortunate but not shocking because he has been injury prone for like the last i think three or four years um yeah but this was i don't want to say dirty but he got clobbered here oh uh, okay yeah. that was a late hit by 45 like the hit on tw- like 25 the valentine hit was whatever he's already down 45 that was dirty like, I like big hits in football. I don't like it when a guy's down like that, and then the guy just, like, basically, and he's kind of defenseless, and he just, like, pounds him out of nowhere. That's just, there's nowhere in football for that. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, you're not, like, da, da, da. No, there's a difference between being a smart football player and a stupid football player. Oh, man. What bad luck for T-Jax. Yeah. I know he is injury prone. I'm not denying that, but fuck. Yeah. Now that's a... Uh... That's an unfortunate one. Yeah. Do you agree with my take, though, about the whole difference between smart football and stupid football? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next game up is Jaguars at Chargers. I'm going to go Chargers, but eight a spread of eight is, I don't like that. And also, to one other thing I'm going to say is this over-under is 49. This is my under of the week. I uh, besides, besides tonight's game, which very well could hit. Uh, the over may hit in this game. Uh, I think that this game's like I think this is going to be a low scoring, very boring game. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of with you. Um, yeah, I mean the Jags, the Jags offense started out hot. They can't really get a whole lot going. I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to see the Chargers while well, losing this one. So, yeah, not much more to say for me at least. Um, yeah, and also too, I think it's one of those things too where. This one coach is going to be fired at the end of the year for obvious reasons. I I honestly don't want to see it, but I have a feeling Anthony Lynn may get fired at the end of the season. Yeah, I think it depends on how bad the losses are. Like, I yeah, like I'm with you because like it's just there's only so many of these like these like crazy they're three and 13 in one score games and like you think that might be bad luck but why is it that this happens to them every week where like some crazy thing happens where they're conservative or do something bad like i don't know so yeah i mean i I like the guy but it would not surprise me especially too if they can go out there and get a better option like and i I also did mention this on the podcast too eric Bieniemy. If you're Houston, go after him. I think the Dabo Swinney rumors are false, and Dabo should not go to the NFL. I think if I'm the Houston Texans and Cal McNair, look for Eric Bieniemy. Yep. Yeah. Um, two more games left because I know uh, Big Brand and I want to get out of here, and also I have work in the morning, so I have to get to bed. Um, for those of you saying that, because I wake up at 7 a.m. every morning. Um, so the new Sunday Nighter, Seahawks at Cardinals. I'm going to flat out, i got to open my phone just because I want to check the spreads again. But, I'm going to say this, Seattle gets their first loss of the year. I, for those, like I said earlier, I said, I didn't say closeted for you, I said you're a quad, like, you know how you were saying you're a quasi-Patriot fan? Yeah. I'm a quasi-Cardinal fan. I love Kyler Murray, he's a, like, if out of, you know how they say Patrick Mahomes is unpredictable? 
I think Kyler Murray is almost just as hard to plan for because you don't know what he's going to do. Because he on and also too on Monday night, for a lot of people who are saying, "Oh, Kenyon Drake's a bust." I think Kenyon Drake kind of had that one game where kind of people are starting to wake up to him and realize, like, "Hey, this guy is he's pretty good." And by the way, Seattle is a three and a half point favorite, which I can honestly see this game coming down to like either player. I just honestly think that Arizona's riding high after that Dallas game and. Seattle, I know they're coming off a bye, but I think Kyler Murray's going to have some plays where he's going to put those Seattle defenders on uh, on some uh, ice skates there, if you will. Yeah, this, to me, is a coin flip game. Um, you know, it does kind of feel like the Seahawks are due. Uh, they are coming off a bye, so they have that in their advantage. They're a little well-rested going into this one. The Cardinals played on a short week. I think it's close. Um, it would not surprise me if the Cardinals take this one you know, if the Cardinals want to be serious competing for the NFC West title, they really can't lose this game. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm kind of with you, but to me, it's it's very close. So, I, I'm still like I'm still saying Cardinals, but like when I say that, like oh, okay, um, fuck Philadelphia may win this game. Uh, I think they're going to. I, I just kind of remember what I, I said earlier. Uh, they win with some late game heroics. Uh, that's what it's looking like. Carson Wentz can pull a rabbit out of his ass when he absolutely needs to. Um, but, like, I honestly think this game, like, if I had to predict a score, I would say, like, like a 28-24, to 31-27, somewhere like that, you know, where it's like, like you said, it's like a coin flip. It's like a drive like this that oh. determines the game. As New York gets flagged for pass interference. Holy fuck, Big Rat's right. Um, also, you're like a step ahead of me. Now, I, oh. I, I, just saw, I just saw the flag. Whoops. Okay, I'm going to keep my mouth shut about the game then. I'll let you react they, first. They, they got to convert in the red zone, though, so we'll yeah. see. Uh, yeah, if that going for two points earlier, um, really, Carson wants fumbling on that. It's really biting them in the butt. Um, but, yeah, no, like, I think this game's going to be a close one, Like or even decide down to the last play, like you saw last year with uh, – and also, too, last year when uh, Arizona was effectively out of it and Seattle was still competing for the NFC West title – Arizona went into Seattle and beat Seattle. Just remember that. That's the only one thing yeah. i got to say. Um, With Brett Hundley playing in the fourth quarter. That too. Um, and also, one thing i got to say is that if they have a good record and make the playoffs, I would not be shocked if Cliff Kingsbury's name is in the Coach of the Year conversation. I'm not thinking he's going to win, but I think he could be a top three, top five finalist potentially. Yeah, I mean, if they if they win the division, then yeah. Because like, to win Coach of the Year, you kind of have to just do better than what people expected in the summer. Like that's why, like, if Matt Rule like makes the playoffs, you know, it's not that a nine win team is the best coach team in the league. It's just oh, people thought this team would be horrible. They actually won nine wins, so Matt Rule did a really great job. So yeah, I mean, if they, it depends how many time, how many games they win, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do ultimately my front runner right now is Matt Lafleur, though. I'm just gonna say that even though they had the bad loss last week, it's just the way he's been coaching them. Yeah. Yeah. I I get that. Um. Last game on the docket is the Monday Nighter, the Bears at the Rams. Uh, Rams are a six and a half point favorite. I keep saying a half. Bears, uh, Rams are a six point favorite. Over under is forty five. For as much as I've called them fraudulent, man, the Rams looked terrible last week, and I think this is one of those games where that Bears defense is gonna bail the offense out, and I think the Bears win a very close game. Yeah, I'm torn because I think most NFL fans, like, I've never seen such a team that everyone, everyone, like, on the Twitter, like, an analytics community has, like, so obviously rallied behind. Like, we're all just like, man, fuck this team. 
team. Like they're they're not a real five and one team. Like why do they keep winning? It's so frustrating. Um, and like I think last week I was one of the many people who predicted them to take a step back because they just didn't feel like a five and one team, and they actually won. But man, their offense is just so brutal. Nick Foles is right now the worst starting quarterback in the league. I think he's been worse than Trubisky, like I hinted at earlier. All the numbers say that, and if people just want to tell me, like, oh, but they're winning, Trubisky was 2-0 as a starter. It's not like they were losing when he when he got pulled. They were losing in that Falcons game, I get it, but they had won the two games before that. The offense has gotten worse, but the defense has gotten better. Um, the defense is now rising to that 2018 level of like being maybe the best defense in the league. I'm still going to pick the Rams, though, because I know they look bad. I know they, they did look bad. I watched that game. It was rough. The Cooper Cup to Jared Goff connection is not – I don't know. I just can't see that being repeatable. I just can't see it being, like, that bad every week. Uh, and also, the Bears, if you're going to beat them, you're going to have to beat them running the ball because their secondary is so good. And I know that sounds kind of intuitive because their D-line is so good, but they've been better against the pass than against the run this year. And uh, – you know, Ronald Jones, like a few weeks ago, had 100 rushing yards against them on Thursday Night Football. And Brady was very bad, and the passing game was very bad. So the Rams are quietly one of the run-heaviest teams in the league. That's not really their reputation because of the Sean McVay, 11 personnel, all their receivers kind of thing in years past, and they don't have Gurley anymore. But they really are one of the run-heaviest teams in the league. So if there's anyone that can win the game by running the ball and doing all this other stuff, it's probably them. So, yeah, I'm... Um, I, th- I think the Rams can do it. I think I just I just don't know if the Eagles can score. And this Rams defense, you know, it's like middle of the road, but it's not bad. And yeah, I just I really question whether the Bears can score more than twenty points on a consistent basis. And I just don't know if you can do that in today's NFL. There's defense heavy teams all the time, but the offense has to be somewhat competent. It can't be the worst offense in the league with the best defense in the league. It's hard pressed to find a model like that that'll work in twenty twenty. So yeah, I mean I, I totally it wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me if the Bears turn Goff into a pumpkin. Goff, like Mayfield, struggles when defensive lines get pressure. I just kind of feel like the Rams are going to pull this one out. Um, Sean McVay also an extra day in preparation coming off a Sunday night game. Uh, And I kind of trust him more than Nagy in this spot. So I'm going to pick the Rams in a close one. I'm with you on that. The Bears probably covered the plus six. Wow, I can't believe the fucking... Oh, good lord. There's just flags flying. Flags are costing teams this game right now. Um, the one thing I'm just looking at this Bears schedule coming up, after the Rams... I think they also... They kind of got to win this because they're November versus the Saints at the Titans versus the Vikings by week at the Packers. So, after this Rams game, it does not get easier for them. So, if they want to stay in that NFC North and even wildcard conversation, I think this is a game that they got to win. Yeah, uh, you're not wrong there. Um, I will also similarly say, if the Cardinals win, the Rams all of a sudden are going to need to start racking up wins themselves if they want to stay relevant in the NFC West conversation. But yeah, the Bears definitely probably need it more. Um, but yeah, I just I just don't know if they can unless I just don't know if they can with Nick Foles right now. He's been tough to watch. Yeah, because even too, I just wanted to look at Seattle quickly just for their schedule. Um, okay, let's. Uh... Holy! Wow! What a fucking play! Holy shit! That was unbelievable. Who was Boston Scott in fantasy football this weekend, baby? 
I do too in another league. But I'm I'm playing against Wentz, so I can't I can't really enjoy it all that much. Smart move by Peterson here to go for two, though, because, well, yeah, yeah, because they don't they need to stave off the field goal. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say, too? But for the Seahawks coming up after this, like, let's just see their schedule. At Cardinals versus 49ers, at Bills, at Rams versus Cardinals. This is a very, very key stretch in the next, like, let's say month. Because, like, November 19th is that last game in there on a, on a Thursday night. This is a very key stretch coming up for the Seahawks, too. So, like, this NFC West is going to be, I honestly think the NFC West is the most open division in football right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because there's four different, literally four different teams you could see winning it. Like, for all the problems we talk about with San Francisco, I mean, it wouldn't shock anyone if they just, like, got some guys healthy, went on a little bit of a run. So, yeah. Um, Two only rants I got to go on quickly before we end this podcast tonight. One being is that I Pro Football Focus tweeted out today, one of their people said that Kyle Shanahan is on Bill Belichick's level, which, um, no, no. (laughs) Uh, no. People are living in the moment so hard right now. Like, they're going with the Jalen Hurts. What the fuck are they doing? Oh, no. Pop pass? <laughs> I'm guessing this didn't work based on your reaction. There's another flag, though. They threw a, just... That was what my reaction was. The flag! <laughs> okay, so I'm kind of glad I didn't bet the over tonight. Or actually, wait. I just wanted to see what the over-under was. Because I... Just give, me, give us a second, folks. Um, 44 and a half, so as long as no one else scores, the under hits. Um, and the other thing I was going to say, too, is um, Minnesota Vikings. They are, you know how you hear a lot of those times, those unfortunate stories of like a promising high school prospect who lets success and fame get to his head and then he ends up joining a wrong crowd and ends up ultimately ruining his life by going to jail? Mm-hmm. The Minnesota Vikings are in a very similar situation right now because Mike Zimmer extended, Dalvin Cook extended, Kirk Cousins extended, Rick Spielman extended. So when the Will family at the end of the season sees how bad they've played, they can look at them and go, hey, we can fire you, but at the same time, it's like, we still have to pay you. So this honestly is just a write-off year for the Vikings, which if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm pissed at that situation. Yeah, and um, you know when they traded in Gawkway... It kind of told you. I saw Greg Rosenthal made this argument on the Around the NFL podcast this morning. He said, them trading in Gawkway kind of tells you that they they think that they're going to be okay. They don't think they're going to get fired this year. Like, they think that, oh, yeah, like, it doesn't – because if you're normally, like, in a win-now situation, we can't lose our jobs, you don't trade in Gawkway because he's more important than the draft picks because what do you care about the draft picks if you're going to be fired and not get to use them? And, but also with the contract situation, um, yeah, I don't think they're going to get fired. And I mean, to be honest, like I think Zimmer's a good coach, so I, I wouldn't. I, I understand it's kind of frustrating not to get to that Super Bowl level, but he's one of those coaches. He seems like another Jim Caldwell, where you know, although he's much better than Jim Caldwell in my opinion, but similar to the Caldwell problem, if you fire him, is the next guy going to do better? And then four years from now, are you going to regret firing him? So. That's just something to think about. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be tough for Vikings fans. There was a lot of people that thought they could compete this year. There were a lot of people that thought the Packers were frauds last year. I thought that was a little too aggressive. 
yes, they won a lot of close games, but like they had Aaron Rodgers, like they, they the games were close because they would go out to these big leads. This happened every week with the Packers. They'd go out to like a twenty one zero lead and then just sit on the ball. The other team would slowly come back and then the final score would be close. That's what happened. It's not like these were back and forth games they were winning. And that's that's what happened in the Seahawks playoff game. They got out to like an eighteen to three lead, you know, got conservative, let the Seahawks come back, and then they put the game away at the end. So yeah, I think Vikings fans had high hopes, but yeah, not, nothing to do but be disappointed. Let me tell you, I think my only rant I'll say is I think they got to consider moving on from Cousins. I know he was extended, so it's kind of hard to do. But if there's any way, I would strongly consider it. I just don't think he's not bad. It's just like his floor is too low. There's too many games where he could just get destroyed with bad picks or bad sacks because he doesn't deal with pressure well. It just happens too often. He has games where he has three touchdowns, 300 yards. It happens all the time. It just doesn't happen enough, I think, for 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 you to really believe that you can win a Super Bowl with this guy. So that's just my take. Oh. Um, Uh-oh. You just, what, what just happened? Did Jones uh, just fumble? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jones Ball fumbled. Ballgame. Ballgame, Ball Michael. Um what did the Eagles do? They won with late game heroics. Now, granted, it was very brave of me to say that when they were down fourteen to ten. But I wish I said it when they were down twenty-one to ten because I did think it even after the Shepherd touchdown. But I didn't have the courage to pull the trigger, so that's on me. This will be a, su- a this will be a successful night for the Eagles as long as there's no videos at service of a fight breaking out in the stands. Because only in Philadelphia is there a fight between rival fan, not even rival fan bases, and Eagles and Ravens. Only in Philadelphia would there... Also, too, the only other important thing to point about tonight is the Giants did cover the spread. And another point yep. I want to make is I really have to stop bagging on these Thursday night games because like, when Jets and Broncos happened, I'm like, oh, this game's going to suck. The game was better than the Chiefs and the Ravens. Tonight, I'm like, oh, the game was going to suck. Tonight was pretty entertaining. Like It was good football. Everyone says this all. I've seen uh, uh, Greg Rosenthal say this about the NFC East games. We bitch and complain, and we we're like, "All oh, these teams aren't that good. Like, why does one of them have to go to the playoffs?" But all these games are always like super narrow. Like they have that AFC East vibe to them a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, like, yeah, like it, it was fun. Like I was the guy complaining too. For next Sunday night, we have the Eagles and the Cowboys. But if the Cowboys win this Sunday, there's a, that's a very serious yeah. game with playoff yeah. implications. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it will. I think the Cowboys will win, and I think that'll be a very important game. Yeah, because I was saying, too, like, put Patriots-Bills in that spot. Put Ravens-Steelers in that spot. Or even San Francisco-Seattle in that spot. But the, see, after this Sunday, San Francisco and Seattle have actually been on Sunday Night Football a lot this year already. Like, this will be Seattle's third game on NBC, and this will be... San, and San Francisco's already been in two. So, let's X that game. But, uh... I'm getting kind of tired of the Saints as well. I know their opener against the Bucs, that wasn't in primetime, but it was a late 4 o'clock game that everybody was watching, so it felt like a primetime game. And then we saw them on Monday night against the Raiders, on Sunday night against the Packers, on Monday night against the Chargers. I'm just, I just need some space from the Saints. <laughs> I, I like them. I don't mean to disrespect your family's team, but it's just, just some space. I've seen a lot of them on primetime lately. Guess who's on primetime in two weeks from now on Sunday night football? Oh. Oh my god, don't tell me. The Saints at the Bucks. <sighs> oh, but I'll make it even better for you. The following Monday night game is the Patriots at the Jets. Oof. 
the Sam, the Sam Darnold revenge game. The ghost revenge game. Um, also, I, I think it's in the same week too. Like yeah, almost, almost at least. Uh, very similar. What was the other one I was gonna say too? Only on one other point I want to make quickly about primetime games coming up. Next week's Panthers Falcons game. Um, if the Panthers lose and the Falcons win, that game's gonna be interesting next week. So, like I said, I'm gonna get in the I'm gonna get out of the habit of bagging on Thursday night football. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, let's enjoy let's enjoy the fun stuff when we get. You know what? You're right. Let's enjoy the fun stuff. Stop being negative. We're gonna be positive. But anyway, guys, that is it for this podcast. Big Rat, I don't know. I think this is your fourth or your fifth time on here. This is episode 32. I'm not stopping anytime soon. I love doing this. I always love to have you on because you love this game. You love to talk about this game. And you always bring great insight. So thank you very much for coming on. Do you have any closing remarks, my friend? No, just thank you, man. It's always a great time. I know it's been a little while, but I had a blast like I always do. We're passionate about it. It's fun to talk about. Uh, yeah, no, um, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, no problem. It was my pleasure. But anyway, guys, enjoy the rest of week seven. We are already Owen. Oh, actually, actually, I just realized we're one and zero right now. Fly Eagles, fly! I felt really dirty just saying that. But um, anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy week seven, and I'll see you guys sometime next week with another podcast. Enjoy the football games. It's coming Sunday, everyone. Peace for now. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.